Welcome to The Teacher's Story. I'm Jackie Scully. This is a podcast to elevate teacher voice. In this program, you will hear teachers sharing their journey into this profession and their ideas for education. This is about honest, vulnerable, inspiring storytelling. It's a time and a space for teachers to share their ideas for the future of education. Teachers are beautiful beings who give their heart and soul to their community. They're innovators. They're inspirational, not only to children, but to the people around them and they deserve to share their voice. So welcome to The Teacher's Story. Enjoy. Hi, welcome to The Teacher's Story. This is Jackie Scully. And before I start the next episode, episode 64, called Weaving Consciousness Communities with holistic educator and founder of Pure Esperanza, Esperanza Smith, I'd like to start with just an intro about my book coming out since a big part of the end of my book and a curriculum that I present is called Connected Consciousness. So I thought between the themes of my book and the episode coming out today, we can uh, share a little bit of this interconnectedness. So my book is about to be published uh, at the beginning of October. So look out for posts on social media, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, for when uh, The Guided Teacher is published. So what I wanted to share is that um, I tell my whole story, and at the end, I leave the reader with a curriculum that is a outline called Connected Consciousness. And I start with this quote before I get into the curriculum, which I really love, I came across uh, recently, and the quote is, Our greatest human adventure is the evolution of consciousness. We are in this life to enlarge the soul, liberate the spirit, and light up the brain by Tom Robbins, an American novelist. And this is something where it really is my vision for what I see in education and what we really should be doing to go deeper into having young people really explore who they are. And so a passage from part of my book uh, leading into the end of my story and into this curriculum, I start with school is a space to explore our interconnectedness. We should give more time and space to our educators and students to explore and dive into their passions. School does not need to be a place to do things and get a job done, but to create and have time is to dive into consciousness. That bright, vibrant child at three, four, five years old is still the same soul at 13, 14, 15, up to adulthood. We should not lose that childlike wonder, and we should not have an educational system that sucks that out of us. It should be promoting that wonder. Children are ready, they have been ready, and they are ready to create these new educational spaces with us. I will keep working the rest of my life on this mission. We can do this together. Will you come along with me hand in hand and keep working on building a better way of life? Thank you for coming on this journey with me. Just a little preview. So enjoy this episode with Esperanza Smith, the holistic educator and founder of Pure Esperanza, Weaving Consciousness Communities. Hi, welcome to The Teacher's Story. I'm Jackie Scully, and today we have Esperanza Smith with us. I'm so excited for this conversation. When we met on Zoom not that long ago, Uh, We had this great energy and connection, and I think the same kind of vision for the future. 
So a little bit about Esperanza and that she is an energy medicine practitioner holistic educator. She actually started out working in Waldorf education, which is something I have not experienced. Um, so I'm interested to learn more about your background in Waldorf education, but love it. Um, I have visited some Waldorf schools, grew up in Pennsylvania, where there's one down the road from where I grew up. So uh, something that's very, you know, important to me to learn more about that. And also the founder of Pure Esperanza, which we're going to learn more about uh, in this conversation. Thanks for being here today. Thanks so much, Jackie, for having me. It's been um, just a great journey, and I'm so thankful to share it with you and also to hear your journey, you know, and, and how you've evolved into this podcast. But so thankful that you and others like you are here and just helping to expand that consciousness. Yes, thank you so much. Um, so I want to get into a little bit of your background. And so what inspired you to first even want to be a teacher or get into education? Yeah. So I think it was a matter of life unfolding. Um, one thing seems to lead to another. I naturally moved into working with um, adults and later on with children, but with disabilities and large populations, you know, that I was working with in different different contexts of um, how they were integrating into the community and um, even some sheltered employment kind of situations, just a lot of different things. And so teaching was kind of underlying in that realm. And then I decided to have children and that led me like, you know, just a ball of yarn on rolling, you know, and it was um, questions about you know, how I would raise them, what would their education be like, what was it to develop a human being, you know, develop as a human being, and then to be part of developing a human being. Um, and so those were questions, you know, health, all those kinds of issues. And that kind of rolled me into Waldorf education, you know, all the synchronicities of how that happens, because I had four home births, and I had met someone um, at the time I was in Chicago area, and she was um, a parent at a, at a Waldorf school, but she was also a healer and worked in a, she had a beautiful shop at that time. Um, and, you know, a lot of people in the area went to her and, you know, got their supplies and things like that for what they were working with. Um, that was kind of one of my side passions, just to be evolving in that kind of way through development and different spiritual paths. And um, it's how I got connected to Waldorf Education and um, fell in love with the um, pedagogy, the foundation of spiritual science behind it, and how we evolve as human beings. And it just resonated with me at every level from what I already had been learning about and what I believed in. And um, it was just a beautiful way that un unfolded. You know, I, I loved Rudolf Steiner's teachings. He was a a man that had brilliant ideas of holistic living and expanded into different branches of what that meant. And uh, he, with a lot of other individuals, I think um, were along those lines of just providing so much information to us. And it just always has, um, it still has stayed with me. That's wonderful. Yeah. I like the connections, you know, like someone comes on your path mm -hmm. and you don't know yet what that seed is that's being planted. And this conversation has come up a few times on this podcast, mm -hmm. uh, particularly with um, Patsy Coy, who's like amazing, very yeah. spiritual and all about planting seeds. And then it sprouts somewhere else. And then you see the connection and uh, I can really, you know, that resonates with me because I'm seeing it so much uh, recently, like this year. Um, 
And I love the Waldorf education. So I'm so curious to learn more about that in your early teaching experiences. I will say before we get into you sharing that when I taught in Hawaii, there was a wonderful school um, on Kauai where they brought in all the Hawaiian culture, mm. the language, they focused on the land and sustainability. So I just want to take this moment to really like be present and think about um, Hawaii because of what yeah. has been happening with the wildfires, but the sure. land is so vital. It's so important to everyone, but you know, to native Hawaiians and, and, and indigenous people throughout the world really understand um, the importance of taking care of the land and what that means to, you know, have a sustainable future and, you know, honor the land, honor the people. And I, I saw that in the Waldorf school in yeah. that particular program in Kauai. So that just kind of that memory came to me and then and thinking yeah. about the current state there. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for honoring that moment too, where we can hold that space with all those different individuals and the experiences that they're going through. Um, I think you hit it right on the nail that um, to make that connection with our ancestors and whether or not we see it as the connection between our biological ancestry or whatever, these are all peoples that have lived, you know, and connected to the human race, you know, our own collective consciousness and evolution. So I think it is important to note um, how these different um, storylines have connected us to how at one time we as a people were more connected with the earth. And it's beautiful that there are different types of schools out there um, that connect us in that way. A lot of people have living curriculums that are connected with the environment. And, you know, certainly there is just, there are so many alternative um, types of education now available. We don't always hear about them because, you know, mainstream is called mainstream because it's mainstream, you know, so public schools and all that um, exist and, and for a purpose too, you know, a purpose in time of our own evolution, but it's good to see that things are changing. And that's a great segue into Waldorf education because there is this connection in Waldorf education that's all about our relationship with everything, like mm. down to the detail of every single subject, of every way that we as a human being are evolving and it's connected to um, this cosmology of the universe and that even every civilization that has existed and left an imprint on the mm -hmm. earth is connected with each stage of our own individual human development at the mm -hmm. formal years at birth, toddlerhood, child, you know, early childhood, moving into um, you know, those first seven years and then into sort of like the, the precursor to the adolescence when the critical thinking starts to step more in and the individualization of personal identity comes more in and you start breaking away from your family kind of thing and moving into these other stages and all of it is based on supporting that ability to use um, analysis and take different kinds of concepts but have a connection more internally from your own experiences early on. So a phenomenological approach in science, let's say. So when you actually start to formulate theories later on in time, you have that basis of your direct experience with just the wonder, just what it was all about that made those connections before you even get to the point of like, okay, now we're gonna connect the dots for you and talk about formulas and theories, you know, uh, mathematics, same thing, all of those kinds of subjects, language, because it's rich and flowing through story, storytelling, you know, where you're creating visual images in your mind. 
Um, the emphasis on the arts curriculum isn't strictly from an aesthetic quality. It's really based on this um, ability to develop the soul. Rudolf Steiner was also a visionary and a clairvoyant that would speak about the future and how technology is the time that we're living in right now, because this was, you know, mid 19, early 1900s, actually, to mid 1900s. And, um, you know, he spoke about how these forces of technology could have an aspect that would, the intellect would be so strong, or the ego as well would be so strong that it would deaden forces like living forces inside of us that breathe and expand and that connect us to like the whole you know, universe. And so art is a way that it balanced it, like the living beauty that's expressed out of the soul was a way to temper and balance those forces and make us more balanced, more aligned, you know, and we can also think of this as uh, left and right hemispheres of the brain, you know, <laughs> that's some of that too. So anyway, um, I think that was, um, you know, some of the, the love and the deeper uh, meanings of what the curriculum represented and how we were given the task as teachers to study, to develop ourselves and to develop a curriculum that was living and speaking in the moment to the student before us, to the class constellation before us, to the community and outward, you know, and it was, um, it was hefty, it was lofty, you know, and it was full but it was extremely rich. It just, I'm thankful to this day, even after teaching and all these years and raising my own family and their adults and I have grandchildren and all those kinds of things, I still tap into pieces like this story about, you know, my mentor and when I first, one of my mentors and when I first met her and um, just uh, like still pieces trickling in, you know, that are now like more connecting the dots and, and more uh, understanding of the wisdoms that were transmitted. Yeah. yeah. That's beautiful. I have so many things to say. <laughs> um, <laughs> just, just like a big focus on everything explained about the Waldorf education and just this holistic way of looking is um, interconnectedness and also wonder. So those two pieces really stood out to me because I feel that is essential to have uh, in schools and to be teaching our children is that, A, you come into this world as, you know, with curio you know, curiosity, with a childlike mindset, and you wonder, and you ask questions, and you explore, and children see the interconnectedness with themselves. They don't put things into boxes. And then it's within, you know, conditioning and just society in general and systems, we start to divide and we start to put things in boxes. And then that kind of interconnectedness goes away. And with that also the wonder, because we're just like, well, it's more about, we need to do this instead of, I wonder, could we do this? And it's living. That was another piece you said that, you know, it's, it's uh, hefty, it's lofty, it's, it's, you know, it's a lot to take on because you're not thinking, well, I have this set curriculum, I've done it this way, I make tweaks. It's living because each group of kids coming in, it's a new year, it's a new time period in our world, it keeps changing and evolving. And so 
that sharing with the children and creating curriculum with them and making it living as you're moving through it and through a school year, I think needs to be essential as well, that there's not just this set, you know, curriculum that that's what we do and we've done it that way. And someone said this to me recently, I think it was like in a conversation yesterday about if there's a, there's a danger about saying, well, we've always done it this way. So let's just keep doing it. Right. Just don't ever grow. And that's not natural. It's not natural biologically in our state of consciousness, as we'll get more into to just say, let's just keep doing what we've been doing. Like, we're just going to stay in that. And one reason I started this podcast birthed out of the pandemic, which we'll talk about, Mm -hmm. um, but was this feeling of status quo and being okay with it. But some individual, especially like the teachers I've been talking to saying, no, this isn't okay. Mm -hmm. And that inspired me because I wanted to share those voices. You know, they are the ones that get it. You know, they get it and they want to break the mold. And so we should be lifting them up and saying, you do have a way to do that. Like you don't have to feel defeated. Like if if we do it together in community, we can actually, you know, change the way we do things and the way we think about education. So there was a lot of that coming from your sharing there. Yeah. Well, thank you because that, you know, spurs me on to the next piece too, you know, what, uh, what comes out of that from what you just spoke about. One of the things that um, I remember really clearly is seeing a colleague of mine who was naturally an early childhood teacher, you know, and so she just flowed in a very different way. I was very much a great school teacher. That's that's what fitted me at that moment in time. Um, But one of the ways her response to children's questions at that early stage, rather than giving them an explanation, was to say, I wonder. And it was so casual in their conversation that the child would immediately something about it, you know, or maybe stay still with that, you know, but um, it was a different way than approaching it with like, well, that's because da 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 da, you know, and doing that kind of thing as sometimes is the inclination in all of us to be like the teacher or the one that explains kind of how it is. And that was a different way. And it was very intentional because it was about provoking the inner sense of the child to formulate just something, just express, not even formulate because the mind isn't thinking that way, but to express out of that moment what the perception was, which was a very different way and approach, you know, but the imagination was was and is seen as critical as being the piece that allows us to enter a dimension within ourselves that doesn't just regurgitate information, um, doesn't lead to this thing that you were talking about, which is I know what it is and therefore I'm just gonna da-da-da-da-da, but it then becomes living in the moment. And ultimately, um, Rudolf Steiner, the founder, thought of it as what could allow us to be free thinkers. And free thinkers not meaning using your intellect all the time, because the idea of thought, you know, going back to like, you know, we can go back to Socrates and Plato and, you know, those kinds of thinkers per se, that were just open. And that's a different way 
of perceiving because you're receiving information that it's coming through you and you're not like conjuring it up in your mind, you know? And the next thing that I thought about when you were referring to how um, we do things a certain way and we're used to doing it and, you know, we, that's our knowing, you know, that's what we draw from, this is our knowledge. Um, but early on, I had um, my first year teaching, I had a mentor that came from Germany. She was a 15 year veteran teacher at a Waldorf school in Germany. Um, culturally, you know, had a different way about her, but um, carried such a presence about her. And I didn't know it at the time that she came in and I didn't know what she was gonna offer me, but she came in um, with just a, I don't even, I don't even know how to explain it. It was just like, she loaded me with a lot of information. It was definitely felt like it was downloads of wisdom that she was transmitting to me, similar to what I experienced with my father, like when he was at his um, passing and, you know, inwardly could convey this information to me. Um, that was a, a quite a phenomenal experience. But apart from that, um, in her time with me, she came in for a few weeks, she observed the students. Um, she observed me, of course, and it was um, such a such an astute observation and discourse that she would provide me with, and then um, assessing just like all these pieces just by looking at a child. And there were just a few. I can't even see colleagues that I had at that time could do anything like that. And there were a few anthroposophical doctors that I had met along the way. Anthroposophy is the spiritual science base of Waldorf education. Um, and I wasn't an anthroposophist, but, you know, I, I gleaned from all these different paths and, and uh, wisdoms. And, you know, anthroposophical doctors, as well as her, could look at this holistic view of the child. So she could look at features, at movement. She would look at temperaments. Um, mm -hmm which was based on different types of elements that the child had a natural inclination towards, like earth, water, fire, air, you know, kind of thing. Um, and how that was associated with every single subject and what would help benefit that child to be more well-rounded, more balanced, you know, in different ways. She could see by the gait of their walk, by the way they move their body, by the way they, uh, their shape of their head, you know, I mean, it was just like, all of this information and it really blew me away mm -hmm. and um during those weeks she would be dispensing all this information and then asking me to do certain things and I remember um you know feeling um like just so overwhelmed in many ways and it led me into this path of not knowing um understanding I didn't know you know, and this was a, what I like to say is like a, I, my ego was probably at the helm back then, you know, it was kind of like, a, I thought I knew quite a bit. Um, I thought I, you know, could answer a lot of questions and I was kind of ready in that way of thinking, you know, and um, also I just, I, I was uh, accustomed to like a, uh, you know, kind of being the head of the class, you know, <laughs> raising your hand first, you know, kind of thing, you know, like, like through my life, you know, so this was a, a bit of like a wake up, you know, mm -hmm. and 
I was sitting back and I was thinking to myself and I felt inwardly like stretched. Like anybody who's had a kid going through labor, you know, you know what that feels like at that moment when you're like stretched and it's not just physical, it's emotional, it's mental, you know, everything. That's how it felt. And inwardly, I felt like a child having a tantrum, like, you know, how could she have this of me? I felt indignant. I wrestled and tossled. I mean, it was really something when I think back about that time and I kind of laugh at the whole thing now because that kind of felt so real to me, you know? And I was like, you know, not outwardly saying anything, but inwardly, that's how I was feeling. I was like, how could I be expected to do this? And I'm sure all of us can relate to this at some point at something in our life where it's like, no, why is this happening to me? You know, I just, we're like resistant, right? In some kind of way. And, um, it was just the truth that I had come to a moment where I did not know. And it was like, okay, I can either get by knowing what I know. And I knew I could do that. And that leads to this thing about like, I'll do the curriculum, just have to tweak it a little bit here, there. I know what I know, you know, and this is, and then we're fed by the curriculum saying, you do know what you know, look, and then look at the numbers and the percentages. And mm -hmm. of course, you know what you know, you know, kind of thing. And you're validated in this kind of way. But to me, it was like, or I could answer this deeper call of the soul. And to answer this deeper call meant that I would have to accept the fact that I didn't know. And now I was entering into this really unfamiliar territory. We can all relate to that, having to stretch into... Um, a new skin you know now we now we're now not feeling ourselves in our skin we have to stretch into these new places and we have to get comfortable with the unknowing and these, these are deeper questions of life you know and um and this is what that led me to like that whole experience mm. and actually what propelled me into this way of um understanding consciousness and the expansion of consciousness because that's what was happening for me in that moment and that's one little snippet of something that happened along the journey there's many experiences like that that we all have along the journey but for me that was one thing that happened and years later like I said even now I'm still extracting wisdom from that and so so thankful and so mm -hmm. thankful for that experience um, that also played a part in the path that I'm on now, you know. Wow, that is something I really connect with because the word that you didn't say this word, but <clears throat> came to mind is surrender. Yeah. And that's something I've been very much deep in, in the last couple of years, probably since the pandemic, but really the last couple of years. And I resonate with the idea of being stretched. I have, I don't have children, so I don't know that feeling, mm -hmm. um, but being stretched to this feeling of like, it's raw. Like yeah. I have a choice to make. I could be safe and comfortable and resist, even though there's a knowing in my soul that I should grow right from this and move forward, but I have that choice or I can get uncomfortable. I can get vulnerable. I can admit to myself that I don't know everything and I will allow myself to just surrender to it and have faith in myself and just in this moment that it's it's propelling me to up level and into the next chapter, the next you know part of my existence. And so um, that's really beautiful how you shared that and very eloquent. And the experience I had not as profound as what this mentor was sharing with you. Um, but 
my first full-time teaching position in Hawaii, I was stretched with, um, you know, I was young, so I still didn't think I knew everything, but I came in like probably a, a lot of mainland teachers, you know, coming from the Philadelphia area, a lot of teachers were recruited from the Northeast to Hawaii thinking, I have this Pennsylvania teaching cert. I went to a great school. I've always been a great student. I'm like a great teacher for these kids. <laughs> and then first, first year was fine because it was American history. And I know that very well taught it. Right. And the kids were very like interested because I was from Philadelphia. Right. And I talk about that and ask me lots of questions. They're like, oh, you're from the big island. I'm like, yeah, the, the big, big island. Right. And the second year I had to teach Hawaiian history and Pacific Island studies. And most of my students were from the Pacific, like, you know, <laughs> many islands. And that's the, that was the, in my face of like, you don't know anything, right. You don't really know this history. You can study it and regurgitate it to us in a fancy lesson with some activities, but you don't know it. And you don't know us. I was like, I mean, they didn't say it like that. They just behaviorally yeah. showed me. And I had to stop and figure out like, you know, I could keep going and be like, I'm the teacher. Here are my rules. This is what we're doing. <laughs> but I got so uncomfortable and I really wanted to make it work that I surrendered to it. And I, I went to the guidance counselor and I was like, please help me, please help me. Cause I, I'm not doing something right. And I don't know how to do it. <laughs> like I had to just say, I don't know. I don't know. And she was wonderful and gave me advice about stopping my lessons and just doing full blown like reflection discussion about who we are as people and our differences. And also, you know, our wonder, like I wonder what it's like, you know, how you were born and raised in the Northeast area. I wonder what it was like to be born and raised in certain Pacific islands. Tell me about your culture. It changed everything. It completely yeah. changed everything, not just in that one singular class, but my whole vision of what it means to be a teacher and be in this space and like co-creating, you know, and this whole like ecosystem of how we learn and how we grow from each other. And I was only 23, 24. And so I feel blessed I had that um, in the beginning of my years, but, and there's many more times I was stretched in, yeah. in many ways, not just in teaching, but that was huge. And I was, I was knocked down. I mean, my ego was, it was like knocked down. So that is just so wonderful how you explained it because when you do surrender to it and you you say i'm willing to to say i don't know and i'm going to learn um it's just ultimately going to be the best like next part of your path like you're just going to be able to grow and um become something more and that gets into consciousness right yeah and totally yeah that tenet of, of the spiritual life is um the beginner's mind you know yes. And coming to a place where you know you recognize you know nothing and that you also can tap into everything all at once um mm -hmm. it reminds me of that that movie that won a bunch of emmys this past year um which was uh everything 
everywhere all at once. Yeah. Like mind blowing kind of yes. stuff, you know, but a lot of questions, a lot of questions, you know, that, you know, just left you like in wonder, you know? So absolutely um, for sure. Yeah. And that, yeah. that has really been, um, you know, my path and, and my inclination all along and uh, why I found, I think, the Waldorf curriculum so rich in my life. But it really, it goes back even beyond that. And then even, you know, looking at my, at the raising of my children and, you know, just watching things unfold, you know, so seeing how, how that's just worked around me and in my own life journey, you know, and everything you're describing, it's like all of us are going through that. And mm-hmm. it's great um, when we find our connections um, to the surrender. Yeah. Um, so the pandemic piece that I always kind of talk about, um, I think was really, you know, inspirational for you and this now kind of birth into the, uh, founding the pure Esperanza. And I really want to get deep into that. So Mm -hmm. just as like a, you know, uh, a launch pad of how Mm -hmm. do you view the pandemic and the time that we're in and even like now kind of this space of how, we're learning and growing and changing, especially in this um, area of consciousness. Yeah. So uh, I think about uh, all the different stories that um, we heard at that time and that we're still hearing of that time as people have like, processed more. But it was um, like, when I think of it in my writer's mind, I think of it as like shattering, um, you know, falling apart, breaking away, um, forging, melding, you know, all these pieces that kind of have evolved from the experiences of what we heard. And it was a like a cry out of these dimensions, like denser dimensions of ourselves. We saw so many things falling apart. And, you know, of course it spurred up all kinds of emotions, you know, the fears, the grief, the loss, you know, all this, you know, people recognizing that they were disconnected when they didn't even know they were disconnected, you know, it's like, you know, just all these pieces and somehow something coming, emerging new from it. And I think that, you know, in all of that, there's choices, there's choices with what, how we're going to perceive what we're going to do out of that, you know, how we're going to live and be from all of that. And all of that is forming, you know, it's forming us. It's part of that consciousness. So I see individually all those changes and transformations that have come about, but collectively also what's happened to us from those times. And I feel like they're giving us an opportunity to, uh, move into a space of multidimensionality within ourselves. It's like this consciousness quantum leap that we're doing into what does it mean? I think that um, the physical aspect of being disconnected from people when we went into isolation and we did all these kinds of things was uh, like, here it is, disconnected, like real disconnected. And then everybody was all suddenly wanting to get connected. You know, it's like, we now let's get connected. But now we have to like take that into a further application. And it's true about everything that we learn in life, right? It's like, you know, we can think back to our own studies and then even what we've done with our own classrooms and everything like that. We're, you know, leading into, it's leading into something else. So, you know, now we're at this time of like, how are we going to get connected? I mean, it's a choice. 
It's a choice mm -hmm. of how we want to do that. So I think that this consciousness is evolving in us and we have a great opportunity here to go deeper into what those connections are. But inevitably, I think that is what's happening for us. It's like, uh, like it, don't like it, believe it, don't believe it, you know, whatever. It's like, it's still leading us in this direction. It has many faces, but there's mm -hmm. still this piece that it's leading us into. And um, I think that this is part of us coming back like full circle. So we've gone from, you know, kind of this more ego-minded state, which is more individualized and upon our experiences and the disconnections that we've had in our own body, mind and soul. So now, you know, there have a, there's a more integrated holistic medicine, you know, that, um, you know, in allopathic medicine, Western medicine, we see like, oh, let's do integrated medicine. Let's bring in more of the mind, body and soul. Okay, great. But they're still like segmented in different ways. But to actually bring and wrap consciousness around like what does it mean to have a whole system and all these mm -hmm. inner working pieces to the whole system so of course everything is affecting something else like we have this expert like okay we're going to talk about cardiovascular we're going to talk about gastrointestinal you know it, it, but it's you know mind gut you know it's like food you know this that and but it's all and even breaking down nutrition you know to like oh calories carbohydrates proteins you know it's like it's all connected it's all connected. So you can't speak of one without speaking to the other. So, mm -hmm. you know, whole systems like Eastern medicine, um, yoga, you know, there's so many different modalities that are out there that speak to all of this, but the same thing is true for our education. And I think education, taking it to a deeper level of consciousness is what we're talking about, how it, everything interconnected works for us. And every, all our experiences are working for us that way. And then as a whole, as a human race, it's this way. And I feel like that at this moment, you know, we're in that stretch, that stretch mm -hmm. that we talked about just a little while ago. And that that is leading us to this next evolution of our human race. And so we can see how we've, you know, we're homo sapiens, how that's moved us and how we're being led into what many are calling the homo luminous being mm -hmm. that's really more connected into this expansive consciousness where there is more interconnection but we're not just approaching our mind body and soul now we're seeing the connections with everything and with the work of puris Vedanta and how that formed because it, it was evolving as a holistic center um, that I had a vision of when I was 18 and I was aware that there would be many of these holistic centers popping up and they are and it's it's a expansive view of what already we've been building on for the last hundred years and about that holistic view of ourselves as human beings and what that means in terms of this connection and all of this way that we're connected to all life that means you know that uh, mineral kingdom the plant kingdom the animal kingdom our lineage timelines past forward future you know this is the kind of consciousness we're now entering entering into different spaces of ourselves, things that we thought were like superhuman or specialized like telepathy or clairvoyancy or audio you know visual kind of perceptions all all of that is coming to the forefront of these latent capabilities that we mm. possess as human beings and that our mind you know now what science is finding is that our brain is like we don't know anything really about it you know it's like you know we're just like in these primitive stages i'm sure hundreds of years of now we'll be looked at like you know like what we imagine that you know neanderthal were like you know how they lived you know they, all the um, primitive kind of thinking and, and now it's that expansive we're just at that 
uh, part where science is merging with the spiritual aspect mm -hmm. that wasn't a religious-based spirituality or a dogmatic kind of spirituality. It wasn't separate from physical reality. It wasn't like, you know, this is where you're going to ascend because you're going to escape the human body experience. It's about this blending of who we are as beings and what our innate capability is to be a creator in life, our life, and with life, and knowing that we're a living expression of this life energy consciousness. Yes. And I've seen that. I've seen a rapid um, energy, especially this summer. So I don't know if that's something you've been seeing and feeling of more of this connection between science and spirituality, which I, I've seen that for a long time. In my last school, I was at a Catholic school. We actually had a minor class that we had one um, sister, Sister Betty. She's, she was awesome. She like played the guitar. She was like yeah. an archeologist and went on digs, like super cool lady. Nice. She did a class with the biology teacher and it was all about the interconnection between um, spirituality and science. So I'm like, oh, that's yeah. pretty cool to have like at a traditional Catholic school. Um, and it's, it's true, you know, because I always see it as like science and there's science in everything. Like I, I, I say this to my students, even in my history class, and then I teach psychology. So mm -hmm. you know, that's a science, but it's the, the way we think about, again, you start with the wonder and then that leads to, well, what is the the data and the evidence I have to collect, right? And then how do I connect that in and try to prove this like theory or idea that I have? So it's like, you do that in everything, right? Mm -hmm. And then the idea of spirituality is like, you're then starting to see how everything is connected and making sense. And that brings us to this higher level of consciousness. So, you know, once you get there, it's not that complicated. Like for years and years, I would you are going to talk to me about quantum physics, I would be, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, this is like mumbo jumbo, some other language. But now when I'm sitting in different groups online, reading about it, I'm like, yeah, this just, this is really easy. It makes sense. And then that goes back to like, cause it's always been there. Mm -hmm. Like it's always been inside of us mm -hmm. to know this or to yeah. understand it. Cause it's part of who we are. Yeah. And then when it clicks, it's just, so easy like it just makes so much sense so I love that you are talking about this and that you had this vision for Pura Speranza when you're 18 and then here you go there's a seed and then now it's uh sprouting and growing yeah. um I'm so excited to to see it grow yeah well thank you thanks so much and you know like you said it is in us because on a cellular level we're connected to like all those timelines and the fact is that our ancestors and the indigenous people of the earth and different lands were so connected in that way they didn't need science to prove it and once you prove something down the line it's eventually going to be disproved because it's the nature of consciousness so it's not like oh that was a lie no at that moment in time that was a truth and it evolved you know and um and this connection that we're talking about, that was innate, that was the primary consciousness that they, the mode that they worked from, that they were connected. So it was a connection like, oh, I'm connected to the water. 
the seas, the lakes, the, you know, rivers, you know, I'm connected to the trees, you know, and so many of them felt that, um, like a family, you know, sisters, brothers, mothers, fathers, grandmothers, grandfathers, they even spoke of it in this way. Um, mm -hmm. And it was this true connection, you know, and even the, you know, I, I know you've studied this in psychology, just the collective group consciousness, they were a tribe, and they didn't feel themselves separate from how the whole group worked together. But eventually, we had all this breaking away that we did to where we are today, to this full circle of where we're starting to find our connections again. But those were processes of part of that evolution, that expansion. It's as if though we had to go through this awareness to come to this other side now where we have a heightened awareness of maybe what eventually will be the kinds of connections that we had back then and a blending mm. of this knowledge and this um, wisdom right? Because knowledge, I think, is then elevated into wisdom. And you can then use it differently than what we've used it to this moment. And so it's just continuing to evolve, you know. Yeah. So that's, you know, the work of Pierre Spadanza is to have a holistic approach from six intersectional pieces of living. So we're looking at education, at healing, all the different forms of healing arts, um, arts as well. Um, as a way to elevate consciousness just through the experience not through a process or a class or instruction or anything like that whatever way you want to experience it you can learn it that way too yeah, anyway and um, business leaders leaders speaking on the environment and also humanitarianism through social global awareness but the idea is to to bring this um, in a way that people can see the cross sections of how they intersect with one another and in their own life and meet them wherever they are so there isn't a one way there are infinite ways and that's a lot for our human brain to even try to grapple with because we're just still set in many ways in that consciousness that has um you know kind of a more of a square box limitation around it but we're quickly moving out of that because mm -hmm. the thing that we're talking about is doing just that we're i feel like that coincides with those images I have of the breaking and the shattering and all that that happened through the pandemic. It's like we're bursting through now into new aspects. And I think the science side of it is saying, oh yeah, we're exploring like all these parts of our brain now and seeing how they function now. And now we can like read the way the brain activity is going on and you know all these different kinds of things that are happening and how it affects us. And of course, we're finding more and more that everything that we're experiencing, everything that we're processing is, you know, breathing in and out of us. It's circling mm -hmm. around us. It's part of us. It's, um, there's no escaping it. We are all connected, you know, from, yeah. you know, the, the land crying out uh, mm -hmm. from natural disasters. I just did a post on that this morning to, um, you know, conditions that are happening in other parts of the world. Um, we're feeling it in lots of different ways. You know, we mm -hmm. feel it in political climates and educational climates and all kinds of systems, <laughs> all kinds of systems that in many ways are collapsing at this moment, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. um, but again, we have a choice. We don't need to fear it as much as um, be present with that. It's like being at that place of surrender, what we were talking mm -hmm. about earlier, that not knowing and getting comfortable with that and then responding to that. That's mm -hmm. that response ability that we have to meet this in this moment and that yeah. applies into how will we 
choose and how will we live today? Yeah. And that's such a great point about right now. Um, you know, we can look at the world and say, and I'm, I'm sure my kids will be saying this, like, what is going on with the planet and the world? And like, how am I going to have a future? I can't envision the future. And I know it's, it looks scary, but uh, when you get into these levels of consciousness, you can see it all happening, like in this way that moves us forward. Yeah. So that shattering, that breaking through, that crying out through the land and through civil unrest, it needs to happen. Like it, it's happening for for a reason so that we can move to the next level yeah. and get to the rebirth and like the next phase and kind of um, taking all that falls away and then creating something new and advancing. And I like this part that you mentioned, something I'm going to remember and bring into my history class is that at that moment in time, that was their, their truth in society. Mm -hmm. We can judge it now, mm -hmm. you know, because we're further ahead, but we, if you really want to challenge your mindset, go to that period of time and we don't justify wrongs in society, but we can see what was the truth then. And then what's our truth now? And we can even foreshadow a hundred years, you know, and so forth that the truth we think is now we're going to be light years ahead. So it's just all about evolution because it, it does get frustrating sometimes when people will say, it just feels like we haven't moved forward. Like, yeah, no, we have moved forward. I mean, there are times where we feel like we're still backsliding in certain areas and we do need to respond to that. But yeah, and all of this is, it's moving towards this deeper sense of consciousness. And I think this is why it's so rapid right now. Mm -hmm. So just like I was mentioning earlier, because it's a, a breaking and shattering. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, <laughs> we're coming into this, new kind of era and mm -hmm. it seems like it's so quick and there's so many downloads like whether yeah. you're getting that meditation you're getting it through conversation through your spirituality I mean, work yeah there's a lot coming through and it's overwhelming it could be very overwhelming yeah. so um the stillness and the balance that needs yes. to be there too so like you mentioned art as that balance to like technology and like the advancement right it's it's embracing just the present state and like really just taking time to see and be the observer and see what's going on so we don't get swept up in it because mm -hmm. um, I have personally got swept up in the momentum of everything going on and, and felt very uneasy and uncomfortable and I know that's not a place I want to be in or have people be in because then we can't really lead and move forward so I think pausing and embracing again the present and just seeing everything and why it's happening the way it's happening and then you're able to kind of move forward yeah and maybe we don't even have to know as much all the whys but just to be present with it you know because I think um that stillness aspect that you spoke about is is key um we can find all kinds of ways to enter that stillness. There are all kinds of meditation practices. It's, you know, people have preconceptions about what that means, but honestly, there are so many ways to enter stillness and put the pause throughout your day. And by doing that, we're kind of tapping into what our energy is, where it yeah. dips, 
bless you, where mm -hmm. it dips, where it, um, where it rises, peaks, drains, you know, all those kinds of things that we can really uh, feel that flow. And that is a connection with everything that's around us, energetically speaking, which is part of the quantum consciousness and quantum physics that we've been talking about, just a lot of different things. But um, I think that entering that stillness allows us to be more receptive and present. And that stillness really requires a practice or practices. So yes, art can be one form of expression. It still has some doing components in there, but this part of learning how to be is another part of this consciousness expansion, which we as a people all over in our consciousness in our evolution at this point have been very active in the doing part. That's, you know, kind of like the mind projecting out kind of thing. And to be is then more of entering a space where you're allowing it to come through you and being able to be still as part of that. Mm. So even simple tasks can be um, meditative. You can be sweeping and it be meditative. You can be around doing the mundane things of life and find meditative practices within all of that just mindfulness and I think that that's another word for it too is bringing your focus into inwardly that's the practice of stillness and I just wanted to leave one thing with you that made me um, uh, kind of connect something that you were saying earlier on which is just about the the children and them asking the questions and wondering like how, why, but having that wonder and, and connection at a very early stage still with like life all around them. Mm. So you had mentioned that, you know, kids would be asking like, what about my future and the plan and what's happening, what's going on? Mm. But if as the adults or as the guides or the facilitators, the educators, all that kind of thing that's happening out there for everyone that already contains um, or streaming some of this wisdom of this knowingness it's not doesn't belong to any of us but just is that we can offer these connections as to what our experience is just related to that experience like of what you did with your uh, lessons on the indigenous land and not knowing and surrendering and then asking and then the co-collaboration that was going on this is the same thing we're doing we can bring in those aspects of what our experiences are to give them and transmit them over to the youth of today because they do get it they do get it inwardly and these are the things that really nourish and feed them and this is where i think that part of our whole educational system has gone awry because we started to feed things that we thought the you know intellectually they needed to know and this yeah. is how they seem to progress or show success and you know the development of themselves but you know all this is really about um this inward education when we can start all of us as educators to see more as to life is the education mm -hmm. and um, moving in this direction, I think is part of this conversation today and, and will continue to be as we move forward. Thank you so much. Before uh, we end today, can you have a little preview or information about how Pure Esperanza is going to be working with the metaverse? Yes. Yeah, it's really so, exciting. Yeah. So we see this as another tool and we see that consciousness expanding is collecting um, these pieces of technology that we're using today. 
Um, I think of my own journey and not being an advocate for all the technology that was moving forward in Waldorf schools. And now, you know, seeing, you know, that, that that's made a change too, because technology is here to say, and perhaps it has to do with my own life journey too, where anybody's getting to different stages of life and you're now a grandparent and you look back and you see, oh, the kids are learning like this today. It's no different than I, what I saw, like with my mother and father who were born in the early 1900s and they've passed some time since now, but in that aspect they came through so many changes like from you know another country to like having electricity to you know having like radio to tv to color tv you know i mean and we've seen the same thing in my lifetime i clearly remember not having cell phones and not really having computers as a mainstream household thing and you know all those changes that have gone about and you will too in your life and so will everyone that comes after you see those changes happening so technology is another tool and i had to really wrap my head around that but mm -hmm. i was guided to look at this technology because it's a reflection of the consciousness, really going into spaces that have no boundaries, that are limitless, that the mm -hmm. imagination is completely open. And of course it matches that consciousness. Now, how we use that is like everything on this earth. We can have negative aspects, positive aspects, and we get to choose. So we're wanting to anchor a constructive responsibility of using this technology and allowing us to gather all over the globe, but also in a universal kind of way that can bring us into these holistic approaches on these six intersectional pieces of living and in consciousness expansion as the foundation for our well-being individually and collectively as we breathe together in this, all these life forms that are here on the planet and come into more harmony with one another and leaving that mm. with the idea of hope. Um, not coming from a fear base or like, oh gosh, it's so horrible right now. Coming from a constructive, creative place as conscious creators saying, yes, we can create, like infinitely create. And now we're using our tools and all the tools. Technology is just one tool, but all these things that we've been talking about are like our innate tools that we get to tap into. You know, we, we all possess these experiences that eventually turn into, oh yes, there are tools, different kinds of tools I can use. So how to use them and bring them forward in this way and anchor them ancient wisdoms with the future in this mm. quantum leap that we're making and for um, the children, the future, future generations to come, passing the baton. Beautiful. Oh my gosh, that's such a great way to end this conversation. And I'll just say before we uh, finish up. Um, I like the bringing the ancient wisdom with the future technologies together. And I was listening to an energy reading about 2023. Um, it's called the Guided Collective. It's a podcast with uh, Helen Jacobs out of Australia. Love her. And a huge theme was that. So she had talked about it. And I, I definitely believe in that because it is a tool. And I think when people think metaverse or AI and all this, mm -hmm. it's, you need to first wonder, what is this? How yeah. can I use this? How can it be beneficial? And then also see, here's where we want to, you know, be careful, maybe have some uh, boundaries, right? And have some um, rules, you know, whatever that looks like so that we're using it in a way that's effective and that it's going to be, again, beneficial because it's so easy to go right to like the fear-based mindset. And if we start with that, then we're not actually going to use that tool effectively. We have to start with that wonder. So go back to, again, the childlike mindset. So I'm really excited to 
um, you know, learn more from you, maybe collaborate with you in the future. Yes, definitely want to see, do that. Yeah, yeah and see definitely. really what this can be because it's it's a beautiful vision and I see I always, see it too. Oh, thank you so much. And it's always about discernment, you know. So I'll put on my energy medicine practitioner hat right now, and that is to just you know um, we get to have all these experiences in life, and you know to me working um, with everything that is around us, all the forces around us, the chaotic forces, the constructive forces, all those different things, and tapping into like, how do I become a co-creator? And that means how do I embrace all of these things around me? You know, so to, to find that equanimity, to find that balance, to find that harmony with everything that exists as opposed to resisting things that exist they exist so how do we come into um heightened awareness of how we work with these forces and we can think of it down to the minutia of like oh conflict in a, you know a relationship any relationship whatever that is and how do i come into a greater harmony with it um these are the choices these are like integral pieces that we must be asking ourselves at this point of how we rise to meet different occasions all around us and that disruption that happens every time we feel a little mm -hmm. uncomfortable about whatever mm -hmm. it is it's challenging us it's making mm -hmm. a stretch beautiful thank you so much um i will plug your information in the show notes but thank you, you so much wanna, if you want to just share how our listeners can find you or your website and then i'll, I'll put that information hyperlink it there yeah, thank you. So purisfidanza.org is our website. Um, we will be having information on there as we go into the metaverse, but you can find global community, blogs, uh, media like LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, YouTube series, free series is for you as well, and a shop and products that support holistic living. And then apart from that, um, you know, uh, I am an energy medicine practitioner and I work with individuals um, with these concepts of how do we come in harmony with our own journeys and our own consciousness, but um, all of that there for you and hoping that to reach out to you and um, always just make more connections. And, you know, one of many that are coming forth right now. So thankful to be part of this movement that we're all experiencing right now. Me too. Thank you so much. This has been such a blessing. Um, when I'm in these spaces and having these conversations, I just am in so much joy. It just fills up my heart and soul. So thank you so much for being yeah, on the teacher story today. Thank you. thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity to share. You're welcome. Have okay. a great day. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the teacher story. If you like this story, please subscribe and leave a review. You can also follow this podcast on YouTube and subscribe and leave a comment. All reviews help this podcast keep going and elevating teacher voices.